know about you, but I feel forgiven, and I don't know if I've done anything wrong. <laughs> Probably before the day's over, though, I will. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, come on, y'all. Amen. Wow. Man, I'm telling you, thank you, Chris. Okay, I'll try not to touch it. I didn't touch the last one. <laughs> but good morning. We live in such a wonderful time. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm so thankful that we can go to church and um, understand that we're all working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Isn't that right? <laughs> and that nobody has the right at all to uh, judge one another. We might, you know, sometimes we don't always know the, the full circumstances of things. So it's just better to keep your peace. Isn't that right? But I will tell you this. I know what I heard in the Holy Ghost this morning. I don't know where that, that precious sister is. Where is she at? Well, I, you know, I mean, I heard the Holy Spirit say she applied a spiritual law this morning. I really thought you were going to prophesy to her. I leaned into her ear and I, hear, I told her, I said, you've applied a spiritual law. And what happens in the spirit has got to first of all happen so it happens in the natural. How many realize that? And because she applied a spiritual law, the Holy Spirit said, tell her leniency is coming to her. So I'm expecting a great report of God's intervention. Let's just get started where we left off. Uh, I want to quickly review. I'm not going to take a lot of time in, re in a review. But in James chapter 5 is where we started last night. And I believe that we're, we're in such a prophetic time and it's time for God's people to receive what the Lord's saying. You know, many times we can hear what God is saying and, and not be a doer of what he's saying. How many has that let a message come from heaven into your life and you didn't do anything with it? Everybody raise their hand because we're all guilty of this. But the fact remains that we don't have a lot of time remaining in the earth. And I know that a lot of people have probably said that to you over the years. I know I've sat in church services for, for 32 years and I've heard people say, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And almost use it as a fear tactic to try and get people saved. Well, I can only tell you that I met with the Lord a couple of years back in a hotel room the last time I was in the Shekinah presence of the Lord, which is the atmosphere of this next movement. My friends, all we've been around is just, you know, kind of a, an omnipresence in the Lord. But there is an atmosphere that must come. This atmosphere does not allow sin to exist or to allow people's wills to coexist there. There is only one will in the presence of God. This is the atmosphere that is on the way. We are in the early rain right now. Now early rains come so that they can begin to condition our lives. They can begin to get us prepared for what we need to posture ourselves with. And what God is asking out of his people right now is that we would just worship him in spirit and in truth. That when the word of God cannot penetrate what needs to be penetrated, our worship and our praise can. Many times what happens is people worship God and give God thanks after the breakthrough. God's looking for people that, are, that understand His ways. That know His acts. 
I can, always, I can honestly tell you this morning that we serve a faithful God. He has been faithful to me. He watches over His Word to confirm it with signs and wonders following. I know that God will do what He has said He'll do. He's made an oath to us. So I think it's time for people to start approaching God in a little different type of faith. An expectation type of faith. An anticipation type of faith. That as we worship Him prior to the breakthrough. You see, it would be a good time for you to put your praise on this morning. Come on, amen. There is a battle that could be curved. There is a battle that could be weeded out if we would just put on a little prayer. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to excuse me. I want everybody to get to your feet right now and lift your hands and let out a war cry from your spirit. Just let out a praise from your spirit. Put your hands together and bless the Lord. Just praise Him a little bit right now. Father, You are this woman's advocate. You are her intercessor. We ask for intervention in Jesus' mighty name. You see, it's easy to, you know, get on the other side of the Red Sea and and dance and beat a tambourine and prophesy. God's looking for somebody that will dance and prophesy and beat a tambourine before the Red Sea parts. Moses knew the ways of God and he also experienced the acts of God. But knowing the ways of God is much better. So we are in a sovereign time. We need, to, we need to realize that this Tuesday is the first blood moon. Now anytime there are four blood moons and one complete lunar eclipse within the span of one physical year, Israel always experiences something catastrophic. Nobody in the world stands with Israel during this time frame. And Israel is on the verge of standing alone once again. It starts this Tuesday. The Lord began to speak to me in this hotel room and He told me from 2014 to 2017 in in the lives of people that will posture themselves right, He would send a move of His Spirit. I believe with all my heart that it is time for New Life Church to fulfill the prophetic word of the Lord over its ministry. You don't need to waste any time. The only thing that... And here's the instructions. The instructions are not anything that's complicated. The instructions are just to do what you were created to do and worship Him. Now the problem with this is this. We've got praise and worship on a time time schedule. We've got our church services on time schedules. Well, what if God wants to just wreck all that? What if God just wants to say, hey, look, I'd like to just blow in here, blow this place up, and we all come crawling out about 2 o'clock. You see, the, the, beauty, the, beauty, uh, the beautiful thing about meeting with God is, is hearts get mended. It's an atmosphere that men cry out and say, what must I do to be saved? Blinded eyes open. Marriages change. Everything changes. You get in the presence of the Lord and you experience one thing. It's called prosperity. Because there's nothing else there other than Prosperity. You begin to prosper in every way. Brethren, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. Even as your soul prospers, your mind begins to get ministered to. Your will and your emotions begin to get ministered to. My friends, we're headed for a wealthy place. It's called the presence of God. 
God meets all of our needs according to his riches. Where is it? It's in glory. My friends, we're headed for a, 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 we're headed for a showcase. We're headed for a display of God. God's about ready to flex his muscles. And there's not anything that the devil can do about it. How many realize that your praise stills the avenger? God inhabits your praise. <laughs> Woo, you're going to get this today. I got a feeling this place could get out of control. James chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 7. Let me quickly read through this. Therefore, be patient. We don't like to hear that word patience, but can I encourage you? Patience is a good fruit. It's faith taking its time. And let me encourage you, when you are in a season of patience, you know what that means? It means that you don't, it doesn't mean that you don't have the character to respond to the moment. It means that you're not quite awakened to the character that you need to respond to the moment with. God will never deal with you. God will never put you in a situation unless he knows that what he has put in you is now time to come forth from you. So anytime you begin to be dealt with by the Lord, it is a compliment from heaven that there is more to you than what you're willing to acknowledge. So patience is a good thing. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials and temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith shall produce patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that the man of God or the woman of God might be complete, lacking nothing. And if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men with liberality. All wisdom is, is God showing you what he would do. And you have been blessed with that. Every day of your life, you ought to roll out of bed and say, I'm off to seek the wisdom, the wonderful wisdom of God. Come on, amen. I feel like a lollipop kid right now. With a little Pentecostal jerk. So be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. And let me just say this to you about the earth. The earth is designed by God to respond to him. Are you aware that the earth groans for the manifestation of the sons of God? I'm telling you, my friends, if we would just get aligned, if we would just take our position, the glory Man, the Holy Ghost just breathed on you with that. If you would just align yourself, posture yourself, heaven, the heavens would open and the glory of the Lord would hit. The earth is waiting for us to respond to the directions of the hour. And all God's asking out of us is to worship Him. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently until it receives the early and the latter rain. Now we know in in Joel chapter 2 that God would send rain on the land and it would prepare the soil for the planting of the seed of the word and then he would send the latter rain to ripen the harvest. So actually what we're in right now is we are in the beginning of something. But anytime you get in the beginning of an early rain, it is an indicator, it is a surety that the latter rain is coming. So why hear about what God is doing somewhere else when somewhere else can hear about what God's doing here? Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, my friends, you better get ready for the Lord to clear some stuff up in your lives. You, many of you in here have situations that you can't do nothing about. 
But I'm telling you that with men, things will always be limited. But with God, all things are possible. So also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And when the Lord told me that, that we didn't have a whole lot of time left in the earth, I, I said, God, I said, I don't want to sound like the rest of them chicken little preachers. You know them folk running around saying, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Until the Lord told me, he said, son, the sky is falling. And he said, you've got to understand something. I had finished the book of Revelation, and the Lord said, these events, most people don't even realize that these events are much closer than people realize. I've been charging my own home. My, my son's getting ready to go off to college and play baseball. My daughter has her own business. I've been charging my own seed. Live as close to Jesus as you possibly can. I did not raise you in the admonition of the Lord and the fear of God for you to split hell wide open. Are you listening? My friends, I pray that your hearts get uncovered today. I pray that you realize that you're either close with God or you're lukewarm or you're far from God. I pray that you understand the urgency of the hour because Jesus is coming. I would be totally shocked if the church was in the earth past 2020. You know what that means? It means that we need to start fulfilling our purpose and our purpose is to win souls. Well, thank you for being excited about that. I got, you got one person in your congregation that's excited about their inheritance. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Man, I love, I love for the Lord to, you know, because I, I don't run around and just, you know, freak sinners out with, thus saith the Lord. But, you know, I, I can give a word to a sinner and not attach, thus saith the Lord, and minister the heart of God to somebody that desperately needs Jesus. So watch what happens in this next verse. Do not grumble against one another, brethren. Lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And here's the thing. When, when the presence of the Lord starts to increase, so does the dross. And what takes place is people in church start acting crazy. Come on. They start, they start getting a, a shift-blaming spirit about them. They are always trying to draw attention to somebody else in hopes that they'll never be found out. But here's the problem. God knows you. And he's not going to let any one of us go unscathed. Amos chapter 9, starting in verse 11. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David. Now the tabernacle of David was a, a makeshift tent. According to the 15th chapter of Acts, it's the only tabernacle that God plans on restoring. Now, the tabernacle of David was nothing more than unveiled koinonia. It's a Hebrew word that means it gets heart to heart or face to face with God's creation. And see, what, what, what was happening in the tabernacle of David is the people could come before the Lord uh, at any point in time of the, of the course of the day, set 24-7, there was unveiled fellowship with God. 
And God says that this is the only tabernacle that I'm going to restore. In fact, the tabernacle of David before the ark was captured by the Babylonians, it, it actually was a point of contact of worship for 33 years. Jesus incarnate for 33 years. I believe it to be a shadow and type from the Old Testament of what we have access to in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find help in the time of need. You have access to God in Anytime you want it. The Lord is available 24-7. Come on, amen. Now, in my logical mind, I would think that if there's any tabernacle that would be restored, how about the tabernacle of the wilderness? I mean, just the seven coverings over this tabernacle of the wilderness are so shadow and typed with revelation, it is scary. Seven is the number of wholeness. And see, this is what God covers his house with. Anytime you come into a true camp where God is established as being Lord there, it is his house and not somebody else's house. That's what God has to offer. God has to offer wholeness. There was a young man last night that came right about here. So I don't, I don't know the man's name. I only met him one time on the back porch of Pastor Arlen's house. And when he came to the altar last night, the Holy Ghost rent the veil, healed his heart, and began to institute ministry of wholeness. What I'm trying to say is people are going to come in here. The harvest is on the way. And when the harvest gets here, they're going to need ministry. Have you forgotten how to cast out devils? I like what my mentor says, Norval Hayes. He says, listen, he says, you can always tell where a church is spiritually, whether or not they cast out devils on Sunday morning. Come on, Amen. I don't know what it is about the Sunday morning crowd. We have a tendency to, to want it to be the reserved service. You see, this is when most people show up as on Sunday morning. It ought to be the rowdiest service. Right? Because if, you, if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put... Absolutely. You've got some strength in the building. Have we forgotten how to lay hands on the sick? Have we forgotten how to lead somebody in the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Have we forgotten how to raise the dead? Now, I don't know what it's like to try and raise the dead without the assistance of God. I jumped in bed with a corpse and I couldn't get it done. I ain't lying. I couldn't hardly wait to get out of bed with that corpse. I got a phone call from one of my parishioners. My brother just died. My brother just died. So I rushed over there. He's stone cold dead in the, in the bed. And, and, and I, you know, I just, I didn't feel any inspiration of God at all. I think it was just more zeal. But I, the minute I jumped in bed with that corpse, is the minute I was, I knew I was in the wrong place. <laughs> I quickly got out of bed quick. <laughs> But I know what it's like to have, have night visions because I don't dream dreams because I'm not, no, I'm not old enough to do that yet. And you're a grandmother. <laughs> Grandmas dream dreams. <laughs> She's too pretty to be a grandmother. <laughs> well, anyways. So I started having night visions, and for three weeks, the Lord started showing me about, you know, he wanted to, he wanted to raise the dead. And anytime dreams get repetitive, it's always ticking towards a manifestation. And I was in Applebee's having lunch with my daughter, and man fell out of his, his seat, stone cold dead on the floor. And the Lord said, there he is. There he is. Go get him. Tell him this. Tell him he'll live and not die, and he'll declare the works of God, and his food won't get cold. 
I said, what? So I jumped out of my seat in my shy, timid, backward, inward way. <laughs> I mean, there's 200 people in Applebee's. You couldn't hear yourself think. And when I started screaming at that corpse, everybody's like this. I said, you'll live and not die, and you'll declare the works of God, and your food won't get cold. It's the truth. And, you know, he, he, he was real ashy, and all of a sudden he started getting pink, and, and God re- restored him, and God revived him, and we got him back in his seat. Next thing you know, the EMTs have kicked open the door. They're trying to listen to his heart and take his blood pressure and all that kind of stuff. And the man's irate because his food was getting cold. <laughs> the Lord knew this guy. Five waitresses came to my table after the fact, and they said, Who are you? Well, I led them to Jesus, had word of knowledge for them. Four of them were living with somebody, and I told them to go kick that living out. Because God can't bless fornication. Hello? And if you're a fornicator, God can't bless you. But it's the truth. I'm in St. Pete the other day, and here comes this girl. You'd be surprised what people try and parade in the altars of God. And it's because nobody is close enough to God to see it. This girl comes, and she's in the altar, and I started praying for people, and I stopped. And the Lord said, tell her, I can't bless fornication. See, this is where we're headed. We're headed to a place, we're headed to an atmosphere where stuff can't be concealed. Now, if that scares you, I pray that, you know, you do something about it. A lot of people, before they come to church in my meetings, they go, oh, God, help me. Let him him call me out. (laughs) But I'm telling you, we are in a time where God is asking his people to find the beauty of holiness. To be unspotted, unwrinkled, unblemished. None of us are perfect, but we can have a perfected attitude about us. A passion that wants to live clean and right. Come on, amen. So we have to realize that this is a shadow and type. I don't know if it's a realistic thing that God wants to do. Where, you know, he wants in, in his house a, a tabernacle of, you know, where there's 24-7 praise and worship. I, you'd have, I, I can only imagine how many psalmists you'd have to have, how many singers that you would have to have. I got a feeling that it's just God trying to tell us that he wants his people close to him. But we've got, to be, we've got to be in a position to receive what God wants. And see, here's the problem. The problem is, is, is we, we, we have invited humanism into God's house, and now we're trying to figure out a way to get it out. You know, in the book of Daniel, chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar's walking around beating his chest. And you know what he's saying? He's saying the greatness of Babylon is because of him. And while he was talking, an angel came from heaven and said to him, Listen. This is not because of you, and because of your arrogance and your pride, you're going to be driven into the fields to be like a wild beast for a season of time. We know what happens by the tail end of that chapter. After this time had been fulfilled, he is in a great state of repentance and humility, and he starts stating this. He starts saying that God is the God of heaven, and he's the God on the face of the earth. He's the only true God, and for anybody else to claim anything else has everything to do with pride. It'll be pride that will shun the altar, alterations that we need in the house of God. 
It'll be fear that will try and keep you from being invited into the best that God has. God's not giving you a spirit of fear. You pick that up from the world. You let pride and intimidation and fear and all these other things keep you from God being able to minister to you. So we're going to have to make some choices here. We're going to have to realize that God wants us close to him and he wants to be close to us. So he says, I'm going to raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I'm going to repair its damages. What are some of the damages that have gone on in the house of God because we have taken God out of the house? You know, most people, they only get a brush from heaven within 22 minutes. Most praise and worship services are are condensed to about 22 minutes. Why? Because some, you know, some church growth guru has told us that we've got to come in under an hour. Who says we have to do that? I think that everybody in this room knows what it's like to be in church longer than you should have been there. I mean, even God went to lunch. Isn't that right? I say we stay until God says we're released. You see, the problem is, is nobody knows how to be led by the Spirit anymore. I'm not here to be afraid of anybody's face. I'm here to be afraid and to, and to be reverent before a true and living God. And I'm telling you, God, Arlen, you are right on, man. God is wanting to do something. The pastors have been picking up on this before I even got to town. God, this is a sovereign meeting from heaven. And I warn you, do not hide yourself from yourself because you could miss your moment. All God wants us to do, you see, in the charismatic days, has anybody came up in the charismatic days? In the charismatic days, this, you'll, you'll, you'll understand what I'm, what I'm going to say. We had a list of songs, but we were hunting for the song that God was in. You remember when you found the song that God was in? Where's Chris Hans? Psalmist, hear me. you got to find the song that God is in. And you know what you need to do? You need to throw caution to the wind. You need to, you need to get rid of the rest of your list and ride that song until God is done. Sometimes we would sing it five times. Sometimes we'd sing it ten. Sometimes we'd sing it fifteen times. But the more we sang the song of the Lord... The stronger God's presence got, people moved out of their seats and came to the altar. They, they, they stim- it stimulated ministry. Zephaniah 3 and 17, the Lord our God is mighty in our midst and he rejoices over us with shouts of joy. Heaven sings over us all the time. And all we have to do is find that song. When you find that song, you know what you find? You find an effectual fervent door to leave where you're at and to be, to be invited to where God is. Things happen. So, Isaiah 55 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon, upon him while he's near. Psalms 27 and verse 8 says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, will I seek. So what is your heart saying right now? The instructions are to seek God. And what is our heart saying right now? Well, I don't know what that looks like. I've never been involved with that. That's one of the biggest problems. We have not taught people how to host the Lord. Okay? I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like joy unspeakable. And full of glory. I'll tell you what it looks like. 
it looks like you leaving the church service scratching your head saying, what the heck just happened in there? <laughs> Glory to God. I love having those Kairos moments in God. Come on, amen. So what's our heart saying right now? I know a lot of ministers, their hearts are saying this. You can't expect that to be the, the pathway to take. I tried to warn them when the seeker-friendly movement gripped the body of Christ. Don't do this! And you know what they told me? They told me, you're out of step. How can you expect us to believe that in the 21st century, people would be satisfied with preaching of the word, move of the Holy Ghost, gifts of the Spirit, altar ministry? So we went soulish on the Lord. And ever since then, it's been hard to ignite men's hearts with the way God does things. So what is our heart saying right now? Can I say something to you? Nothing's going to get you out of your jam until you start doing what you were created to do. Nothing in your life is going to go right and really be what all God says it can be until you start doing what you were created to do. New Life, you better hear me. This is your invitation. I haven't checked with the man of God, but I want to preach past 12 o'clock today. I said, I haven't checked with the man of God yet. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) I've been waiting for this moment in this church. I've been abiding my time. I've been under authority. I've been waiting to the point where we could get to the place where God wants this. This God wants this house to explode. It's got all the right components. And, here, and all we got to do is just do what we were created to do. I hate to sound like, you know, I'm beating a dead horse. God's going to raise up the tabernacle of David. He's going to restore the damages. My friends, most churches in America don't move in the gifts of the Spirit. And that's sad. You know why? Because when we come together, everybody in this room is supposed to be contributing something. How engaged are you in praise and worship? Are you thinking about what you got to do when you get out of here? Are you concerned about the cares and the affairs of your life? Are we really doing what we're supposed to do when we're worshiping God? I'm telling you, the gifts of the Spirit need to be restored in the church. And the reason they're, they're, they don't, they're not operative in churches is because people are afraid of the outcome. The secrecies of people's lives getting uncovered. We don't want anybody offended. Well, you know what? You're going to offend somebody. I mean, even dumbing dumbing down the gospel, you're going to offend somebody. Your humanity will clash with somebody. So you might as well let people have problems with God and not you. Why don't you just act like Moses and Korah? Say, hey, Korah, I ain't your problem, man. What I did is I revealed your problem. Your problem's with God. And if you keep fooling around, God will open up the earth and swallow up you and your family. It could be an intervention with God that keeps life from swallowing up somebody's family. But we're afraid of the outcome. Let me tell you something. The weak don't need to apply here. Because there have been, there's been such a lack of ministry in church today. What we need is we need prophets to show up in a strong way and start cleaning house. Are you listening? Now, I'm not talking about the pathetic. I'm talking about the prophetic. 
I'm talking about somebody, yes, that will target the problem and show you a resolve in the love of God and invite you out. Amen. Lamentations 3 and 41 says this. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God who's in heaven. So he says this. He says, I'm not only going to restore the damages that have, been, that have existed because of a lack of my presence, but I'm going to re- restore its ruins. And the ruins, my friends, is this. Not worshiping God in the pursuit of one thing, and that's to connect with him. You see, all, that's all we have to do. This is what's going to make the preaching of the word much easier. When you start connecting with God in praise and worship as a a corporate body, what will happen is the gifts will get stimulated. And when the gifts go into operation, the gates of people's hearts open up. You ever felt like you had to spend the first 15 minutes plowing to get people on board? I'm talking about getting people on board from Jump Street because their hearts are open. Oh, come on, amen? So the presence of the Lord, let me just say this to you. The early and the latter rain are on a collision course whether we like it or not. And I, I would rather, I'd rather see a collision course take place here than hear about it somewhere else. Wouldn't you agree? So you know what happens? He says this. He says, I'm going to restore its ruins. I'm going to raise up its ruins. He goes on to say, and on that day or the next verse, please, he says, I'm going to rebuild uh, the days of old. Next verse. That they may possess the remnant of Eden or Edom. Now we know that Edom is a group of people out of the loins of Esau. So no matter how wild folk get, they are still able to be apprehended by God. Come on, wave at me. I don't know about you, I was about as wild as they came. When I got saved, I had hair. Tell you how long I've been doing this. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. Or basically the ancient Greek begins to state it this way. When you begin to do what God has called you to do in the tabernacle of David, it releases a spirit of revival on the land. I mean, folk are going to ask, they're going to ask themselves, what, I don't understand these people to go to new life. I mean, they're excited about coming. They don't hang out. They don't linger in the foyer. When it's time to start, they rush the sanctuary. Everybody's clapping. Everybody's, everybody's got some kind of wiggle going on. Some kind of dance going on. They're shouting. They're worshiping God. We don't understand this place. They're going to think you're crazy. I just say, hey, listen, uh, let's just fulfill our reputation. Amen. Glory to God, sometimes I don't understand myself when I obey God. That's the truth. Sometimes the Lord just scares the the fire out of me. He says, I want you to do this. And I'll go, oh, God, I don't understand that. He says, just trust me. I'm way beyond you. Come on, amen. Amen. You'd be surprised how many people want to get free of themselves. You'd be surprised how many people want to get liberated. Let me just say this to you. You didn't come out of sin to come into the yokes of bondage called religion. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Look at your neighbor and say, that it's, liber- it's a liberating time today. So he says this. He says In in verse 13, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of the grapes, uh, of grapes, him who sows seed, and the mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. So basically, what he's saying is this 
if you want to get out of a plowing state and into a reaping state. What you can do is you can receive what God is saying so that you actually can become a reaper instead of a plower. And in the process, what will happen is your, your, your life will be filled with new wine. Here's what we need to understand. When you get in the presence of God, you know what you're actually exposed to? The age to come. Not so much what you need in the now, but what you need concerning the understanding of the age to come. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 1 and 21. He said, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 5, the Bible says, and have tasted of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. Ephesians 3 and 5, in other ages, I was not made known to the sons of men and has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So when you're in the presence of the Lord, you're in the, you're in the presence of revelation. Now, revelation is who you are. You would not dabble in what you dabble in. You would not try and fill up what you fill up on, in, or with if you were in the presence of revelation more. Because revelation is who you are. Every one of you, where you're at right now is not even really who you are. You were created for so much more. So when you get in the presence of God, you start feeling the pull of your future. You start feeling the pull of the next season. Oh, come on, amen. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. Because there's some instructions here. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Everybody shout grace. grace. Pastor, it is, a, it is appalling what people are doing with grace in America today. Let me just warn you, grace is not a spiritual eraser. Grace is not something that you can just take advantage of. Grace is not something that you can just flippantly look in the face of and say, you know what, God loves me. You don't have the right to say anything to me. God overlooks what I, what I do and what I, what I say. Let me just say something to you. That is not grace. Titus chapter 2 tells us that grace will teach us how to live soberly and righteously in this present world. And I'm going to use, I'm going to keep using the words. I, I got ministers that tell me, you're one of the few traveling ministries that still uses words like righteousness and holiness and sanctification. These are cuss words in most churches. But you know what? I sanctify out of the revelation of his justification in my life. He freely justified me. So why in the world would I not want to seize the opportunity to be sanctified? Are you kidding me? 1 John 3 tells me that when he appears, if I've got hope to want to be like him, I've got to sanctify my life just as he is sanctified. I want to be like him. You're going to have to excuse me. I mean, I, I, I want to be like him. Now, I'm going to be who I am. But I want to be as much like him as I possibly can be. So if grace can save you, if it was strong enough to pull you out of the clutches of sin, then grace will keep you. It is a strength, not an excuse. Next verse. And the things that you have heard 
From me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. Everybody shout faithful men. Who will be able to teach others also. Understand this about faithful men. Faithful men are persecuted men. You know why? They chase life from the will of God. They refuse to endorse everything that's popular because not everything that's popular is God. So if you're going to be a faithful person, you know what? You're going to be a persecuted person. Now, can I say something to you about persecution? It is a compliment. Oh, my, 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 my. I don't mind being persecuted. I don't go out of my way to be persecuted. Sometimes the Lord takes me out of my way. But persecution is a compliment to you, that you are light in the midst of darkness, that you are a threat to somebody's stronghold. Have you ever noticed that most people will raise a real stink just before the hour of victory arrives? The enemy will fight tooth and nail to hang on to you as long as he can. But I'm trying to tell you the victory is here. It is one shout away. It is one praise away. It is one worship away. It's one meeting place with God away. God does not want to visit around here. God wants to inhabit around here. You and I are going to have an opportunity to deal with our, our hang-ups. We're going to have an opportunity to deal you know, with our ideas and our, our personal opinions and, and the attitudes of our hearts. When we get in the presence of God, we're going to have an opportunity to be sanctified from these, these, little, these little gnats that, that try and get in the ointment, these little things that try and cheapen our lives. Because that's exactly what's happening. It is a cheapening of life. So he's going to commit these things to faithful men will be able to teach others also. Next verse, watch this. Three things I want you to catch. Therefore, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Next verse. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Are you saying, Brother Tim, that we shouldn't go bowling? No. No. Are you saying, Brother Tim, that we shouldn't golf? And all the guys around here said, no. <laughs> We're going to play some golf, brother. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm talking about keeping yourself from what you know in your heart is wrong. I'm talking about listening to the, the inner witness of conviction. Conviction is an intervention of God trying to tell you, I love you too much to let you just freely do this. I'm going to let you know that if you dabble here, it is going to bite you in the end. Hello? No one engaged uh, engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So you're an enlisted soldier. In 1979, they told me that I graduated from high school. I have the transcripts to prove it. I had a 1.9 grade average. (laughs) We got any educators here? (laughs) Listen, they even sent me a diploma. I think what they wanted is they wanted me out of there. How many realize there's hope for people like me? I got saved. Glory to God. When I got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, I went on to get my AA degree, went on to get my bachelor's, my master's, my doctorate's degree, and never fell below a 3.6. You know what happened? The the spirit of the world got kicked out of my life and the spirit of excellence filled my life. 
Come on, amen. So there's help. There's help for people like me. All right? But I, you know what I did is I went and I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. Oorah. Semper Fi, my friend. Amen, amen, amen. I knew we had a kindred spirit. And one thing I learned in the Marine Corps, same thing that you learned in the Marine Corps, in the time of battle, you never question an order. You question an order, people die. You question an order, you could die. Why do they tell you never to question an order in the time of battle? It's because what they're asking you to do has been proven in the heat of battle. It's been tested. It's the same with God. God says, hey, look, do you think that you're the first group of people that I'm trying to get to worship me? This is tested. This is battle proven. And you shouldn't question this. See, in the 21st century church, there's a lot of people, they they want to sit back and they want to look for what's wrong. They They don't want to get close enough to get to what's right. They're they're not going to naively say, well, I'm just going to buy into this and put my life in jeopardy. I'm telling you, this is not putting your life in jeopardy. This is putting your life in a safe place. This has been battle tested. God's just asking us to do one thing. The instructions are this. I worship you, God. I worship you, Jesus. I was in my trailer this morning eating Wheaties and the Lord came to me. I couldn't help but put my spoon down and say, oh, I worship you, Jesus. You see, when, when the Lord provokes the interaction, you better, you better just put aside what you're doing because that's not the way things function. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, let us draw nigh to God and God will draw nigh to us. But when God draws nigh to you and you ain't drawing nigh to him, you better have enough sense to you know, put your, your life on hold. Come on, amen? So, second, watch this next verse, secondly. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So everybody shout rules. Those are the, we've got rules in this, in, this, in this season right now. In this early rain, you know, what the, you know what the rules are? Everybody just lift your hands. That's the rules. Here's the rules. I worship you, Jesus. Come on, let's just, we'll just worship the Lord a little bit. I worship you, Jesus. Here's the rules. How hard is this? You might say, well, Brother Tim, I'm not used to coming to a church, you know, where, where you know, I've got both hands free. I've never been to a church like that where one hand was occupied with a hymnal. But I've always gone to a church, you know, uh, that, 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 you know, uh, allowed me to clap my hands and, and dance before the Lord and shout and be free. I don't know what coming out of religion's like. I'm just being honest with you. But there are rules. And you're going to have to understand that you don't dribble a football. It's not the way it works. Right? So let's understand that Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled with the yoke of bondage. Why in the world would Jesus bring you out of sin only, for, only to, to want you to be oppressed by the opinions and the, 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 uh, the approval of men? You've not been liberated and brought into the grace of God to be turned into some religious clone. Come on, amen. Well, I just don't know what my neighbor going to think about me if I were to clap my hands. Well, why don't you clap your hands and find out? 
I don't know what my neighbor will think about me. If I lift my hands, if I just want to shout a little bit, I don't know what folk are going to think about me. Well, why don't you find out? You've got to understand something, that your praise is an act of intercession for your neighbor. Maybe your neighbor is feeling uncomfortable as well. And maybe your liberty could do something to help your neighbor. Come on, amen. When I go to church on vacation, I always look for the deadest section of the church. So I can help my neighbor. Galatians 3 and 1 says this. It says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Who has bewitched the church? Folks, we're not here to please people. We're here to learn how to live a life that is pleasing to God. And it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a life of works. I understand that God loved me while I was yet a sinner. I was pleasing to him before I ever accepted him. But after I accepted him, I understood my responsibilities. My responsibilities is to be in a pursuit out of the love that I have for him in my heart to want to be like him. And when you got humanism standing in the way, I choose him rather than humanism. I choose him rather than the way a lot of churches are, are, are structured and organized. Any other constitution other than the constitution of the kingdom is a constitution of institutionalism where the spirit of man and doctrines of demons are too free. I say we just let the Holy Ghost be the Holy Ghost and let the chips fall where they may. Let me just say this to you. People are going to come. They're going to come out of curiosity. They're going to hear about this octagon church up on the hill that's just wild and free and loves God. And people are getting saved every week and filled with the Holy Ghost and their lives are being changed and transformed. And the gospel is causing prosperity to ring out in every facet of their lives. People are going to come. And just because somebody of notoriety is here, you can't compromise who the kingdom is. And number three, this next verse, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Now you can take one look at me and realize I've never done any farming in my life. <laughs> I could probably butcher a field. I don't know the first thing about farming. But one thing I do know, I got a feeling if you plant corn, you're going to get corn, right? Maybe, maybe I could be a farmer, I don't know. But here's my thoughts. My thought is this. If we are not willing to plant the right seed, how can we expect to reap the results of what God is doing now? It's just not going to work. It will not work. If we do not plant, if we do not do, if we do not receive, if we do not apply what God is asking us to do now, we will not be part of what he's doing now. You reap what you sow. And I'm telling you, new life, it's time. It's time for you to worship God. It's time for you to throw caution to the wind. It's time for the gifts of the Spirit to be operative. It's time for the, the move and, and the ministry of the kingdom to crash this place. It's time. Come on, amen. I pray, that, I pray that when I leave town, six months from now, I get reports. 
My God, you ought to hear. Have you heard what's going on at New Life? Are you listening? Here's what the Lord told me. The Lord told me that this type of ministry is not really going to ever take place until the right type of ministry actually takes place. Are we ready? This is what the Lord said. The Lord said that it's time for the barriers. Listen, folks. People have walls in their lives. It's easy to have a wall in your life. How many realize that marriages can learn how to live with walls between them? Walls can be established with children and parents and parents and children. Walls can come up within the immediate family of a family. Walls can come up between people that you work with, maybe folks that you go to church with. But if you're not careful, life can produce walls of separation. And wherever there was a wall of separation, you have actually separated yourself from God. Now, I'm just delivering to you what the Lord told me. Everybody in this room, that you have a wall in your heart. And you know, here's the thing. The wall is expressed through an attitude. An attitude says everything. When people refuse to communicate, they will always communicate with their attitude, especially when there's a wall there. You have a wall in your life. Nobody needs to know who it's with or why it's there. But I'm telling you, you are separating yourself from heaven's invasion. You have a wall in your heart. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. You know, every time I come here, I am so drawn to you. And I know that things are not quite the way you would love them to be. But you just keep doing what you're doing today, and it will. Okay? You keep your heart open, and God will work where hearts are not quite as open as they should be. Heaven's going to settle this today. And if you dare to hang on to a wall, don't get disgruntled with somebody that's let their wall go. You hang on to the attitude and the fruit of your life, don't be disgruntled with the liberty and the freedom that somebody around you has received into their life. This is your own fault if you hang on to this. But I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat and come to the altar. If you're on your feet, ooh, come on, here we go. Here we go. If you're on your feet and you know in your heart that you have a wall, you're separated somewhere. You need to come to the altar. If you would, just lift your hands and do what you were created to do. Lord, we're not going to accept this confusion anymore. Our praise is going to send confusion back on the enemy from which it came. Lord, we've been marching around a wall too long. It's time for somebody to shout and these walls come down. Lord, we are not going to hang on 
to what has been said or what has been done that has brought an act of segregation into our lives. We have actually cheapened your influence on our lives. So, Father, whether it be an act of repentance, an act of forgiveness, Lord, we are willing to do what we need to do right now. So whatever that is, wherever it came, whether you need to forgive and forget, do what you got to do. Ask the blood of Jesus for intervention this morning. Ask the blood of Jesus. Listen, folks, I, I know what it's like. I've ministered to hundreds of thousands of people that have been raped, divorced, abandoned, all kinds of things that life has tried to ravish their lives with. But one thing I do know is there's not been anybody that's been able to not receive or escape through the blood of Jesus. So, Lord, I speak to every wall today. Regardless of why the wall or the separation is there, words spoken, actions taken, whatever it is, Lord, I speak to that wall to come down now. Come down now. Lord, we pray that that wall would be a distant memory. It would not be the thing that causes us to keep us from being vulnerable to your spirit or vulnerable to future relationships. We ask, Lord God, that this separation would be dealt with. We invite the Holy Ghost to infiltrate this area of our life and to infiltrate our lives from this point on in greater ways. Man, I feel the praise up in my spirit now. And right now, we just need to praise God as an act of thanksgiving. Oh, hallelujah. Father, I speak the prosperity that your, your people need today. I speak this prosperity over them in Jesus' mighty name. Lord God, I pray for the increase I pray for the intervention that heaven has been trying to get our lives in alignment with. Lord, I pray for the breakthrough over this ministry. God, I pray for a a mantle of love. I pray for a spirit of praise. Lord God, in Jesus' name, a spirit of worship. I pray for a spirit of revelation to ring out in the lives of, of your people. That they would keep themselves, that they would be sensitive towards themselves concerning the actions of this life and the actions of the life of the kingdom of God. God, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that today would be a launching day, a day of new beginnings.